to the Old Testament and to the book of Genesis. As we will read from Genesis chapter 20. After that, we will confess our faith according to the words of the Apostles' Creed. And then in response, sing from Psalter number 308, the stanzas 1 and 3. 308, 1 and 3. So let us turn then to Genesis chapter 20 and hear God's holy and inspired word. And Abraham journeyed from thence towards the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerar. And Abram said to Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night, and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she is my sister? And she, even she herself said, he is my brother? In the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this? And God said unto him in a dream, yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their ears. And the men were sore afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have I offended thee? that thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin. Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said unto Abram, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abram said, Because I thought, Surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. And yet indeed, she is my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it came to pass, when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said unto her, This is thy kindness, which thou shalt show unto me. At every place, whither we shall come, say of me, He is my brother. And Abimelech took sheep and oxen and men servants and women servants, and he gave them unto Abraham and restored him Sarah his wife. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee, dwell where it pleases thee. 
And unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, he is to thee a covering of the eyes unto all that are with thee and with all other. Thus she was reproved. So Abram prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So far, the reading of Holy Scripture. And so, at this point, we would ask congregation, what is it that you believe? And we would respond, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord, was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. unite in prayer and ask the Lord that he may bless also this worship service this hour. Let us turn to the Lord in prayer. O Lord our God, you are the faithful God. We have been able to sing about it a moment ago. You are faithful. You are long-suffering. 
You're full of loving kindness. You are gracious. And you promised in your word that you would forgive all those who come to you in faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we come to you this afternoon hour to thank you that you are the God who reaches down to us by way of your word so that we may be instructed, so that we may be enriched in our faith life, that those who do not know you yet may come to know you in a saving way through faith in Jesus Christ and through repentance of sin. And we thank you that this avenue has been opened through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. And that we need not doubt, but heaven is open for us through him and that he would welcome us on the day we would depart from this life. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you have done, for how you have suffered on the cross, how you have indicated even while you hung on the cross, it is finished, it is done, it is completed, and we need not do anything other than entrust ourselves to you. And so, Lord Jesus, send your Holy Spirit to us, and that we too may find that it is good to embrace you in faith, and that we might find forgiveness with the Father, who is a forgiving God through his beloved Son. And so we come to you and bless us richly as we may hear from your precious word things that we need to know, things that we may learn, things that will be helpful for our life, things that that will enrich our faith life, things that will keep us from falling into sin and temptations to sin. And so bless each one of us, young and old. Again, we do thank you for the little ones who are amongst us, that they too may hear something of the grace of the Lord God, that at an early stage in their life they may follow after you, and that they may be born again. Lord God, bless each one of us, young and old. We pray for the elderly amongst us. We pray for those who have lost loved ones who are alone in this life. Lord God, remember them. We pray especially for our dear sister Decker and grant that she may experience the riches of your comfort and of your near nearness as well. Bless all those who are going through difficult times, times of trial. Be with those who are tempted to go in ways that are displeasing to you. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to serve you well. We pray for our nation and our government. And Lord, you know the direction our nation is going. And it is fearful. It is frightening to think what the end result would be if it would continue to go in this direction. And therefore, will you take care of those who govern over us, that they will not go any further than what you will allow them, but that they may turn to your word, and that they may find that your word is good wisdom, and that according to your word, they may begin to rule. Lord God, we do pray for our nation as it finds itself on the crossroads of what direction will it go. Be merciful to us and bless the churches. Grant that the churches may become a bright light on a high hill, shining forth the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give hope to those 
who have lost their hope and give courage to those who have lost their courage. And so bless each and every one in our nation, even in our province, even in this part of the world. And Lord, we do pray for those who are going through difficult times because of other matters. Lord God, remember each one of us and as we have need, as we are fearful of the, of the virus, Lord, lift the virus and grant that the churches may be able to worship and gather together and, and sing songs of praise to your glorious name as we used to in the past. And that in all things you would have the praise and the honor. And Lord, we must confess to you that we're asking for things that we don't deserve. We are sinners. And we know this. We need to be convinced of that time and time again by way of your word and by way of the preaching of the word. But grant that we may turn to you with our sins, find forgiveness with you, and live for you and to the glory of your name. Remember the churches, therefore, as well, and those who are persecuted. We do pray for those who labor in various mission fields, and we thank you that we do have men and women in those places. Keep them safe. May they see fruit upon their labors, and may the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ go far and wide. We do pray for our seminary, for the students who are, are taught there, and for the professors who teach there, and grant also that we may receive students from your hand who will be proper preachers of the gospel and pastors one day and fill the vacancies in our denomination. And Lord God, we do pray for all the churches in our denomination, and we, we, we thank you for uh, giving Reverend Overdune a keen insight in what your call is, and his call is to remain in Vineland, and we thank you for this. We do pray for the Grand Rapids congregation, however, that it may soon find a pastor according to your will and meaning. And so bless our denomination, bless the vacancies, and grant that in due time we may hear of good news also from the vacant churches. And Lord, we do pray also that you would remember all those who have a responsibility in your church, the pastors, the teachers, the Sunday school teachers, be near to them. We pray for the teachers in, in our schools and grant that they may receive a rich measure of your Holy Spirit to lead and guide our children, our young people in the way that is correct. We pray for the students, perhaps those who are no longer at home, but who are studying at college or university. Lord, Keep them on the right path and stand them strong on the rock, Jesus Christ, and that in all things they may continue to be faithful to you. And so bless us, we pray. Accept our worship as we uh, offer our gifts to you and for your service, and as we sing songs and psalms to the praises of your name, and as the gospel is proclaimed again this hour, in Jesus' name we pray all this. Amen. <clears throat> Let us continue to worship the Lord our God and do that with the singing of Psalter number 162. Psalter number 162, all the stanzas, and may the Lord bless you and your offerings.
In response to the preaching, let us sing from Psalter number 248, the stanzas 1 and 4. 248, 1 and 4. Congregation, you may remember that a, uh, this is already a couple months ago, uh, back in November, that I came to the conclusion that I had started a series in, um, in Genesis on the life of Abraham and never completed it. And then I mentioned to you that I would want to do and continue on with that. And so, and then the last time I did preach on the life of Abram. And, um, of course, um, the, um, that, that, that terrible situation where Sarah gave Abram uh, her handmaid, Hagar, and um, Ishmael was born. Now, this time I want to go a little bit further, and we have come to chapter 20. And in chapter 20, and I want to take this whole chapter because the context is very important to understand what is happening here. And so we're going to be looking at uh, believers facing different challenges. Challenges which, um, which we might not necessarily uh, be ready for. Challenges that come to believers uh, in terms of temptations, for instance. Uh, challenges in terms of dangers. That, that, yes, there can be persecution because of, of our confessed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or, or other kind of challenges, whatever they may be. But that we be ready for those challenges. Now, we have the narrative here, the story of Abram and his wife Sarah. And what they have done is terrible. Terrible. They compromised their marriage. They compromised the truth, the faith that they have in God. And they compromised the word, the promise that God had given them as well. And in this compromise... They dishonored the Lord God. Now, I want to say a little bit more about that because I, I believe that there are some wonderful lessons that we can learn from this as well. Now, by compromise, I mean exposing something, particularly our faith, the promise of God, the Word of God, exposing it to certain risks. Sarah once compromised her marriage by giving her husband a slave girl to father a child, as we heard that then the last time. But Abraham is no less guilty in compromising his marriage, as we will discover this here in this particular text chapter. As far as that goes, you know, the Bible is very honest. It doesn't hide the imperfections or the sins of believers. It tells it exactly how it is. It does not hide the sinful things that can still be found in people like you and me. And we will discover that also here in this text chapter. And therefore, let us consider Abram compromises his marriage. In the first place, the situation at hand. Secondly, the threat presented. And then thirdly, the deliverance given. So Abram compromises his marriage. The first thing we need to consider, therefore, is the situation at hand. Now, congregation, for no reason given, Abram has decided to move his, all of his people to Gerar. He has pulled up stakes from the plains of Mamre, and he has set his whole household 
including his servants, his cattle, his flocks, on a journey to the south, deep into what is today known as the Negev Desert. Now, why has Abram decided on such a move, you might ask? Well, we don't know. We're not told this. 25 years ago, Abram had made a similar move and then went all the way into Egypt, in fact. Why? Because there was a famine in the land of Israel. But this this does not seem to be the reason this time at all. Perhaps, Perhaps Abram wanted to move away from his own old homestead because of the smoking ruins of Sodom and Gomorrah that were still visible, no doubt. And perhaps he wanted to move away from that area because that area reminded him daily of the painful reality that there were not even ten righteous people in those cities and that therefore those cities were destroyed. But again, this is only a guess because we are not told. Fact is that Abram decided to make a move to go south to sojourn in Gerar. And Gerar was a kingdom located between Canaan and Egypt, as I said, in the Negev desert, and was ruled by a king whose name was Abimelech. Now, that may have been his name, but it could also have been his title, because Abimelech basically means, in the Hebrew language, my father, the king, Abimelech. But before they had set out, to go into Gerar, Abram and Sarah agreed with each other on what I want to call a compromising of their marriage. How so? Namely, they would keep the fact that they were married hidden from other people. It's a bit like taking off your wedding ring and go to a, a, a singles party. Not a good thing for married people to do, to be sure. Abram would say of Sarah, she is my sister. And Sarah would say of Abram, he is my brother. In fact, it appears from verse 13 of our text chapter that this was actually an agreement that Abram and Sarah had made already right at the very beginning when they got married. Perhaps Abram had said to Sarah, Sarah, I will marry you, but from now on, please show this kindness to me, this special kindness to me that wherever we and whenever we travel, you tell people that I am your brother. Now, why did Abram decide on that kind of a scheme, you might ask? Well, Abram had a hidden fear that because his wife was an attractive lady... Men would desire to have her and consequently kill him if they found out that he was her husband. And therefore, it had been a long-standing agreement between Abram and Sarah that to the outside world, they would pose not as husband and wife, but as brother and sister. There may have very well have been reasons why the sin of 25 years ago uh, was repeated again, because that's what they did then too, when Abram went to, Abram and Sarah went to Egypt. 
Because also with believers, a sin that has become a custom in their life is very, very difficult to break. And that is one of the first lessons that you and I need to learn as well. Some sins can be fought against and which God's help can be readily overcome and praise God for that. But there are also some long-standing sins, dear people. Some of those character sins. Some of those sins that become, so to speak, a family custom and an accepted conduct. That those kind of sins are terribly difficult to fight against and very hard to break with. And yet, we know that they too must be broken with. And for which you and I, we need the work of the Holy Spirit of conviction and the help of the Lord Jesus Christ to be forgiven of them and cleansed of them. Now, perhaps you have compromised your marriage in some way. Perhaps you have adopted a habit with your spouse or a conduct towards your spouse from the day you got married that is a secret to all those who are outside, but sinful in the eyes of God. Perhaps there are some other sins that have a long-standing custom with you or with me, and it has compromised your marriage somehow, or it has compromised your work relationships, or compromised your friendship relationships. Perhaps it is an habitual sin of, of getting angry easily, or being domineering without ever any regard for the other one, for the rights and liberties of the other one, and for the feelings of the other one, even your loved ones. And those things are are terribly difficult to remove from your life because they have become so ingrained in your life and ingrained in your habits. But they too must be broken with their people. And Christ... And his sacrifice is the answer for this. Absolutely. Well, now, Abram and Sarah have not been able to break with that particular sin yet of deceiving strangers about their married state. And also in the land of Gerar, as Abram perceived that the fear of God was not in that particular place, Abram opted to fall back in his customary deception and made it known that Sarah was his sister and Sarah similarly told the others that Abram was her brother. And then the inevitable happened. Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for and took Sarah and he incorporated her in his harem. Now, you may wonder, was Sarah physically still attractive to men at 90 years old? Yes, she was. Yes, she was. Because we know later on, too, and you can read of that in chapter 21, that, yes, God continued to give her that wonderful health so that she could even conceive as well. The Lord made this 90-year-old Sarah conceptive again he made her able to conceive again as she even as she was like a young woman in the bloom of her age and years but now that is on the side but 
Here is precisely what I must speak to you about in the second place, the threat presented. Because there was a real threat. What happened? As was said already, and as is recorded for us in verse 2 of our text chapter, Abimelech, the king of Gerar, having understood that this foreign lady come into his kingdom, was single, and in his eyes, no doubt, very attractive, he sent for her and he took her. And soon Sarah would be then the wife of Abimelech, king of Gerar. But here is where the threat presented itself. This threat, you see, it was orchestrated by the powers of darkness. And now you need to listen very carefully. Otherwise, you will miss the thrust and the message of this particular chapter, because it's very, very important. The Lord told Abraham and Sarah back in Genesis 18 that Sarah was soon to conceive a child, a son, and he would be the son of promise to be named Isaac. Abram himself had prayed for this fervently for many years already. And the Lord promised this in a variety of ways as well, that one day, yes, Abram would one day get such a son by way of Sarah. Now, in our text chapter, chapter 20, this chapter stands between Genesis 18, where the Lord promised Abraham that he would get a son by the name of Isaac, and chapter 21, where that would indeed happen. So 18 and chapter 21. But in between that, those two chapters, is chapter 20. Chapter 20. And there is where the threat began to rise up. Here in our text chapter, that is in chapter 20, between the promised chapter, chapter 18, and fulfillment of that promise, chapter 21, is the threat orchestrated by the powers of darkness to see if that promise could be undone. If Abimelech could be made to take Sarah as his wife, and get her to conceive and become pregnant by him, then the promise of the Lord to Abraham would have been hijacked, if I may say it that way, and would have become null and void. Well, you might say, is that such a serious matter? Then Isaac would not have been born. That's true. It would have been another boy, and this boy may have become king in Gerar. But yes, this is a very, very serious problem. This was a very serious matter because Isaac, Isaac was the son of promise, you see. And it is in Isaac that the Lord, by way of his covenant, would be perpetuating his blessings, continuing his blessings. In Isaac, the covenant of the Lord would therefore be perpetuated. And in Isaac would all the nations be blessed, so we are told. Ultimately, and we need to understand this well, dear people, in Isaac, the seed of Abram would, would the program of redemption continue 
and go on its course in Isaac. In Isaac, born of Sarah and of Abraham. In Isaac lay the foundation, the seed, the beginning for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, you see. In Isaac, the Lord would lay the line, or you could also say the silver cord, so to speak, of the salvation of the church. But now, here in chapter 20, the program of redemption is put in jeopardy. This line, this silver cord of salvation is threatened to be cut right at its beginning stages. If the powers of darkness could manage this, they would have Abimelech father a child by Sarah as quickly as you could say one, two, three. Then there would be no Isaac, there would be no line of promise, There'd be no continuation of God's covenant. There'd be no program of redemption. And there'd be no salvation for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see the threat that is presented here in our text, dear people? It is by and large a threat to the kingdom of God. It is a threat that is brought on by the powers of darkness. Now the devil, he knows what he can do. He is out to undo whatever is possible in the kingdom of God. He, as director in the powers of darkness, is out to break down the kingdom of heaven, to undo those covenant promises that the Lord gives to his people, to undo that plan of redemption, and to undo and to break that line of salvation Put it in jeopardy. That's what the devil wants to do, you see. He is out to block the advance of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever way he could possibly do this. Because that is, after all, his pleasure. His pleasure. And you know what is so sad about all of this? What is so scary about it? Believers can sometimes unwillingly, unwittingly even, accommodate those powers of darkness. You see it with Sarah and with Abraham. They lend a hand to those powers of darkness by living in the tradition of a lie that they could not break with. They unwillingly played right into the hands of the devil by resorting to sinful scheming. And perhaps without realizing it, Abram and Sarah put the Lord's covenant promises at risk and the program of redemption in jeopardy. Abram and Sarah, although they are considered to be believers, true enough, certainly, they nevertheless exposed a weak side, even a sinful side, and it made them vulnerable to the powers of darkness. As such, they actually stood in the way of the building up of the kingdom of God. They stood in the way of the advancement of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation that is to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. They stood in the way of that. And there people see how how easily the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is threatened. See how quickly the promises of God, the Lord, are put in danger. 
See how easily the program of redemption is put into jeopardy and how the advancement of the gospel is blocked. The evil one wants to do that. Sarah, in the harem of Abimelech, king of Gerar, a dismal situation. Perhaps words like those from Psalm 77 may have troubled her thoughts. Who knows? And the thoughts of Abraham. Will the Lord cast off forever now? Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promises failed now? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger now shut up his tender mercies? Or words like that. Those may very well have been the thoughts troubling some of us as well as we look around us in the church today. Are we, you and I, are we not threatened in our stability? Are we not threatened in our, our outreach? Are we not threatened in the authority that, that we have in the Word of God? Threatened in our very existence as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, but let us remember that there is more to be learned from this text chapter, Genesis chapter 20. In fact, it takes the bulk of this chapter, which I can only briefly point at to you, in the third place, namely, deliverance given. Now, I hope that you have listened very carefully and that you understand the situation at hand and that you understand also the threat that is presented here. Sarah was taken into the harem of Abimelech, king of Gerar. At any time, she could expect Abimelech to call her and present himself to her as her new husband. And that in the place of Abraham. At any time, Abimelech could claim her as his wife, and as our text chapter discreetly describes it, touch her. That is, become intimate with her. And as I've tried to explain, congregation, in all this, Abram severely compromised his marriage. And as you will now understand, I trust, it would have been enough to destroy the Lord's covenant promises that Abram received for his marriage, and to make it worse yet, to destroy the plan of salvation that God has set in motion for Abram and for his offspring. The powers of darkness seem to have succeeded. The powers of darkness seem to have gained the upper hand in this battle of the kingdoms, the kingdoms of heaven and the kingdom of Satan. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ would never become a reality. Of course, that's only humanly speaking. But the Lord God would not permit this to happen. And in every way, He, that is the Lord God, therefore, showed Himself to be in control of this situation and, and to top off and to, as it were, kill off the threat. One night, so we read in our text chapter, Sometime after Sarah was taken from Abraham, Abimelech got to hear from God himself, and that in a dream. And in unmistakable language, God 
said to Abimelech, Abimelech, you are a dead man if you touch this woman. Restore her to her rightful husband, and if you will not do so, you and all yours will be dead before you know it. Well, you can imagine that that was enough for Abimelech to mind his manners in respect to Sarah. At once, ways and means are put in place to restore Sarah to her rightful husband, Abraham. And so the Lord gives deliverance, you see. He will not allow the powers of darkness to gain control, to undo the promises that he has made uh, to Abraham, or to block the salvation channel that he has laid out already for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord would not permit that to happen. Because salvation is in store for God's people. Abimelech therefore had to restore Sarah's honorably to her rightful husband Abraham, and that without a touch. And Abimelech did so immediately, without any hesitation. The Lord, you see, has given deliverance. And that from a threatening situation that certainly did look hopeless at a certain moment, at least from a human point of view, the Lord has given deliverance to Abraham and to Sarah. But notice, Abram and Sarah did not get off without a hitch. Both were rebuked, in fact. And they were rebuked for their deceitful, scheming ways. Abimelech, uh, king of Gerar, strongly rebuked Abraham for compromising his marriage. You can read of it in verse 9. You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. And Sarah, she was rebuked as well. We are told in verse 16 as well, the rebuke to Abram and Sarah was handed out by King Abimelech. But you can be sure that it was the Word of God and the Holy Spirit speaking through King Abimelech, addressing both Abram and Sarah. Now, dear people, the Lord God gives deliverance to His church. He gives deliverance to His people. Although the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and the people in that church are often to blame for the mess that they are in, as it was with Abram and Sarah, they were to blame. But as the Lord gives deliverance, those who receive such deliverance should know their sin and should also submit them to the Lord's rebuke and repent of what has been done. And that is, of course, why the Scriptures tell us that we are to repent of our sin and believe on Jesus Christ. Now, is this not also a lesson for us, for you and for me? How faithful have we been in respect to the covenant promises of the Lord God that have come to us, to you and me? How faithful have we been in keeping the Lord's covenant demands and the covenant duties that He has laid upon us? Have we always kept ourselves pure and holy? Or to keep it in the context of our passage... Have we never compromised our marriage or our relationships with others? Have we done 
what was our duty to do at all times? Have we shed those custom sins, those sins of habit, those sins of the flesh? Have we stopped deceiving others? Have we stopped wanting our own way all the time? Have we stopped being selfish? You see, we can, we can look at Abram and Sarah, and we can actually scratch our head. How could they have done such a thing, we might ask? But are we, you and I, are we any better? The tendency to self-preservation, which Abram and Sarah were guilty of, or especially Abram was guilty of, might also be something that you and I might be guilty of. We too would rather live a lie than die for the truth. And are we open to be rebuked for that? Are we willing to submit to the Lord's ways? And at the same time, are we willing to let go of our own sinful ways, those ways of compromising? Do we have it in us, dear people, to repent and to hear what it takes to be rebuked and to be corrected? And I believe the application of our text has something to say to us, doesn't it? Well, having said all of that, let us then also be open and be ready to receive yet what the Holy Spirit, through Genesis chapter 20, has to say, namely, that deliverance is of the Lord. The situation might have been very threatening because the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is invariably under attack of the powers of darkness, especially in this day and age. But the Lord will deliver His church and He will deliver His people. He, after all, is Lord of lords and He is King of kings. He has all things under control. Whoever, therefore, has learned to live upon His promises and has learned to submit then also to God's rebukes, and has seen the need for repenting of sin, may take heart and be encouraged. Deliverance is of the Lord, dear people. He will not forsake, He will not abandon His people. Through repentance there is forgiveness, so that He, so we are told, so that He may be feared. And Christ's sacrifice on the cross stands guaranteed to it. This is why He went to the cross, dear people, so that we could be forgiven also of the sins of compromise. Deliverance is of the Lord. And it is remarkable with deliverance that the Lord is then also pleased to bless His people with what? With gifts of grace. Just go on in this chapter. Abram and Sarah, unbelievable as it may seem, came away from their ordeal, not only delivered, but even enriched. We're told in verse 14 that they received sheep and oxen and male and female servants, and according to verse 16, a thousand pieces of silver. Dear people, this is how gracious the Lord God is towards His people, who turn from their sin, who repent, and who entrust their case completely to Him. He delivers them, and He even enriches them with gifts of grace. Whatever those gifts of grace are, you will know them, gifts of grace. 
A divinely delivered people are therefore a rich people and congregation because the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who has sacrificed himself for it. Because of that, this is our riches. He is the best gift that we could ever receive and that we could ever have, Jesus Christ and God's people. And I trust that I may address you as God's people, you who have known something of the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may know that the Holy Spirit will make you appreciate what the Lord Jesus Christ has done, make, him, make you appreciate him more and more. Deliverance is of the Lord. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ himself has waged the battle of the kingdom against the powers of darkness. He has won the battle on the cross of Calvary, and by it he has guaranteed a deliverance for his people. Thanks be to God, therefore, for his unspeakable gift, as we are told, that is, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Is he your Redeemer? If he is, by faith, the powers of darkness, yes, they will threaten, they will threaten, but have good hope, good hope, because deliverance is of the Lord, as Abram and Sarah could experience, and that to the praise of this great and marvelous Savior, who did come, because chapter 21 continued on to the praise of God. Amen.
Let us close in prayer of thanksgiving. O Lord, your faithfulness will indeed be a sure protection unto us, as you have more power than all the powers of darkness collectively. You are the one who is able to overcome even the compromises that we sinful people make. We thank you, O Lord God, that Genesis chapter 20 is there and that it follows up on Genesis chapter 21 where we see the promise fulfilled. Lord God, we thank you for this. We thank you that you are the great deliverer of your people. And we pray that we may find ourselves under the shadow of your wings and that we may find ourselves totally absorbed by who you are and what you have done for us through Jesus Christ. Bless us, we pray. Bless the church, also the church here in London. We pray for Pastor Hicks and his family. Be near to them. Uphold and strengthen him. As he is called upon to proclaim the word, may he do so with great joy and delight. And Lord, we pray that you would bless each one of us as we go about to do our daily task. May we be able to do it in the light of your holy word. And so be with us. Dismiss us in your favor. In Jesus' name, amen. In closing, let us sing from Psalter number 116. And after the benediction, doxology, Psalter 400, stanza 1.
Return now to your homes and receive the blessings of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His counsels upon you and give you peace. Amen.